My name is Bo Kilgore, and this is the Battle Tested Podcast. Dr. Erica Green, thank you so much for being on the Battle Tested Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm absolutely. so excited. You know, I know I've talked with you a little bit about what the term battle tested means, the concept of a battle tested person, someone who can overcome adversity or has gone through some challenges in life. They've got to the other side. They're better be, even because of the struggle. It's made them stronger. Um, you know, you're someone that... Uh, over the last few years, we've gotten to know each other more and more, and I know you know a lot about my story, and I know a bit about your story as well, and um, it's been a lot of fun, the, the times that we've gotten to talk to one another, and you've allowed me to uh, you know, even ask you questions that concern your, your specialty, neurology, and it's helped me even prepare sermons that I've preached on Sundays, but... I'm really excited to to talk with you today and um, talk about mastering the mind and helping people live the way of the warrior. Um, that's what we've been talking about in this season so far is you know living that that lifestyle, the way of the warrior, living with this resilient mindset, a disciplined mindset that no matter what you encounter in life, whether it's relationship issues, uh, financial issues or injustice or, or, you know, things that happen to us that we didn't choose. You know, there's a lot of things I deal with in my life and it's my fault. You know, I, I, I suffer the consequences of my foolishness. Uh, and so there's even things though that, that happen to us that are out of our control. How can we have a resilient mindset in those moments to say, no, I'm not going to let this destroy me. I'm not going to let this be something that defines me. I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be battle tested. I'm going to get through this, get to the other side and, and be stronger because of it. So those are the things we've, we're going to be talking about this season. And I'm really excited to hear uh, your expertise and just not just your, you know, not just your credentials as being a neurologist, but also you're someone who I admire very much because of your spiritual walk, your spiritual maturity. I, I joke with people when I talk about you. I don't know if you know this, but I joke with people that uh, you know, I, you're kind of my own personal intercessor. <laughs> like whenever I have uh, a need or I'm going through, you know, a, a trial in life, you know, you're one of the people that I say, I got to tell Erica so she can pray for me and pray with me through uh, this season. And so um, I'm just excited to hear your thoughts all the way around about this topic, mastering the mind. Yeah, we the things that we've dove in before is about mind monsters, Right. We've had conversations about shame or guilt or anxiety, depression, and from a spiritual standpoint, kind of unpacked how people can can overcome those things. But I would love, as we start out, I would love just to hear your thoughts on uh, the way of the warrior, this, this lifestyle that, that we've kind of outlined in this podcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts on living with divine order and where you think the mind comes into play in living with divine order sure um so i really appreciated you know um just having that discussion and reading about the architect 
archetype of a warrior and the way of a warrior. And, um, you know, you have the soul, um, the intellect, uh, the emotions, and the mind. Mm -hmm. And then you have the spiritual being, and then you have your body, right? right? And so often, most of us are led by how we think, what we think about a situation, and the decisions we make accordingly. Right. Or those emotional things that drive us, and uh, whether we're angry, excited, afraid, or, or what have you. And then, of course, with the body often directs what we do. Right. We're hungry, we eat. We don't decide to eat healthy, we eat the first thing on the side of the road at the <laughs> fast food, you right. know. We give in to the body. And so often, we all kind of suffer or experience life suboptimally because of that. Mm. And half the time, we don't even know we're living suboptimally. We live suboptimally in terms of our health. Yeah. Not really dealing with the consequences of giving in to our food you know, desires right. and our appetites or whatever that is. Right. Because in the moment, it serves an immediate pleasure. Mm -hmm that the body likes, and but the body doesn't have a brain, and the body doesn't know that it's gonna hurt itself. And so to be out of order means that we make decisions based on our body and our intellect and our mind and our will drives us, mm -hmm. but it's suboptimal. It can never be the way it should be. And as a Christian, we can never become who God has ordained us to be. Right. Because if we place our lives and ourselves in the divine order that God has ordained, which is to be led by the Spirit, right. and forcing our soul, our mind, our intellect, and our heart, our emotions, and our body to follow, right. that's when we can realize all that we're supposed to experience and give and be in this world. The problem is, is that we are immediate people. Mm -hmm. There's immediate pleasures in feeding the body. Yeah, we want it now. Yes, yeah. we want it now. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> and there's immediate pleasures in expressing emotion and giving in to emotion. Um, but a lot of times, those immediate things, those immediate impulses, and those immediate actions are devoid of um, a realization of the long-term consequences. In fact, there's no guarantee that the immediate uh, input is going to have a good output. Yeah. Because often immediacy lacks wisdom. Mm. Immediacy lacks forethought. Yeah. And most of the decisions we make for the immediate thing, right? If we're honest, we put no thought into it. Right. We had no wisdom. You think about shopping with the credit cards and the mm -hmm. things, it's easy to tap now. Mm -hmm. It makes it so immediate that we're not thinking, do I really need this? What is the APR on this? What's the interest rate on this? <laughs> oh, Lord. What's my debt right now? Before tap and credit cards and how easy it is, we had cash in our hands and you had to think. Yeah. You had to actually think to break that $100 bill. Mm -hmm. Now we don't have to think. And so I think about divine order being critical to an abundant life. That's good. It's critical to an abundant life. It's almost like giving the keys to your car, 
the management of your home to your children <laughs> and expecting everything to turn out okay. It's almost like giving your savings and checking account to your children and saying, manage my life. Yeah. Wow. And expecting it to be okay. That's what it means to live out of order. Diving into the mind with this divine order, um, I do think it's fascinating how, of course, we know the three parts of our being, the spirit, the soul, the body, they're interconnected. I mean, they, they were created to be one being. I, I am not me apart from the spirit, soul, and body that God has given me. And we even look in Scripture. Um, well, you brought up Adam and Eve. I mean, in the garden, before sin came into the world, they were given a body. They, they were, and it was an uncorrupted body. It was the body as, as God intended it to be, to be a vessel on the earth to do his work, to bring order out of chaos, right? Mm. Uh, and then with sin comes all of the, uh, mm. the, the chaos that mm. even within ourselves. But when Christ returns, it says we're going to have glorified bodies. So we're always going to have this vessel, right, in one way or another, whether it's right now in its corrupted form or we're struggling with temptation and sin, or if it's in the future in heaven when Christ returns, we're going to have a glorified body to still do work that he's called us to do. It's so interconnected. And when we think of the mind, when we think of our soul, that is, we think of our mind, will, and emotions. That's, that's how we're defining your soul is your mind, will, and emotions, your, your, your intellect. But there's also a physical part of it, the brain, right? There's a physical aspect of our brain where, uh, you know, there's physical changes that happen as we age based on the experiences that we have. Based on trauma that we might endure, there are physical changes that happen within our brain that, to a certain extent, dictate how we think or react to certain situations. I am not a neurologist, so if I butcher this next part, you tell me or correct me, but uh, I think what I'm referring to is neural pathways being formed in our brain, whether that's, you know... Uh, out of a habit of brushing your teeth every morning or if it's out of a habit of thought um, our brains will physically change depending on maybe the routines that we put ourselves through or the the habits of thought that we even have about ourselves to make it easier and easier to keep responding that rate that way is that correct or am yeah, I just absolutely no, no, wrong that's absolutely correct um, and I just want to say I think first of all it's important for people to understand that when you think about the mind and you think about the body and you think your soul they're different but like you said they're connected but don't think of it like this is the soul this is your mind and here's your body yeah and these are separate things and you know what happens on a cellular level with a chemical or a protein or an electrical impulse that's tangible that's that's just a physical thing and it may not be as connected to what you're going through emotionally mm. or even spiritually. And so I think it's important to know that it's all one. Right, right. It's all one. So this is what I'm going to say. <clears throat> you can affect your blood pressure, your pulse, by how you think. Mm. Your blood pressure, your pulse can affect how you think. Right. They can affect each other. That's why people meditate, do biofeedback, because they're calming their body. 
And that's why people exercise or do something or some breathing mm-hmm. uh, exercises because they're calming their mind. And to, be, to talk about it spiritually, everything that occurs spiritually is represented here. And what happens here naturally in your body and your mind affects your spiritual health. So to think of them separately is not correct. Mm. So I can talk about how experiences in life, good and bad, the first time you had experienced puppy love and your heart fluttered. Yeah. The first time you rode a roller coaster, your marriage, you know, the day of your wedding. These are imprints on your neural pathways that bring, if you think about them, joy. Yeah. And they bring a smile to your face and all of a sudden you feel good. Your body feels good, right? And then there are things that happen in your life that imprint you in a negative way. Mm-hmm. It's the abuse. It's the word. It's the loss. It's whatever that is. Mm-hmm. It also imprints on those neural pathways. And those memories stay with you too. And they affect your body when you think about them or if something brings them up to your memory the same way. But instead of joy and peace, it brings despair mm-hmm. and anxiety, fear, or anger. So I think it's important to know that we shouldn't think of them as two steps. Yes, they're connected, but it's more than just a line connecting them. Right. They're mixed like salt and pepper thrown on the floor. Okay. It's all mixed. You can't tease them apart except when we die, when the body's gone. But right, right now, it's all mixed. Yeah. To put it further, let's take it on a biologic level where if a scientist were to measure my hormones or take a piece of my brain out and look at what chemicals are increased, what receptors, like the the locks in a key. So there are receptors that are the locks and there are chemicals that are the key that strengthen those neural pathways. Okay. Those are the messenger those are the messengers between one nerve to another nerve. That nerve has an impulse and a chemical comes out the end of that nerve. That chemical enters a receptor or a lock on the other nerve, opens it up, and that message continues to travel down. Wow. So it's an electrical, but it's also a chemical uh, type of messaging. Hmm. So even when you're reliving trauma, when that message starts and hits those first receptors, then your body is reacting to that trauma with a, with a flood of chemicals that's maybe increasing your heart rate, your blood pressure. You yeah. bet. Okay. And that's why post-traumatic stress and having a triggering moment, mm-hmm. you're reliving it right. because your body's like, okay. I remember the first experience that I had with something like, like a, on a very physical level. Um, and, you know, right off the bat, my deployment to Afghanistan, you know, I'm considered a combat veteran because I was in a combat theater, but uh, it was not a kinetic deployment, meaning um, the enemy activity, there was there was not a lot of heavy fighting that I was involved in. There were other people in my unit that were involved in heavy fighting. For me, it was very sporadic. We would get shot at at night mm-hmm. or there was a threat of IEDs uh, for everybody. But I was not uh, in a I was not in an environment where I was constantly part of heavy fighting, right? So um, 
so typically you would you would think okay i'm not going to have post-traumatic stress disorder my deployment was pretty easy like the the times where we got shot at lasted maybe 30 seconds and i didn't even have time to return fire right uh so so nothing traumatic there but i remember right when i got home from afghanistan um i was in a parking lot and i was trying to park in a in a parking spot and something happened where a car pulled out when I wasn't expecting it, and then there was a car behind me. And so when I was on my deployment, I was the driver for our vehicles, right? So there's certain tactics for vehicles. If you're a driver, there's certain like pinch points that you don't put yourself in where you're not able to get out, right? You, you don't take your vehicle to a point where then you can't maneuver away from the situation. So I, this was just a few weeks after being back from Afghanistan where I get stuck in this spot in a parking lot in a civilian vehicle and immediately my body i have an adrenaline rush and you know just this heightened sense of awareness and not not panic but almost like an anxiety of oh no i'm trapped like if if we take fire right now i have no way to get my vehicle out of this spot or or if something happens if an ied goes off like we're in this terrible position where we're going to get so I didn't even realize what was happening. And I had uh, someone with me at the time and all of a sudden that happened. I just get very tense and I'm like trying to figure out a way out. And the person with me just was like, what's going on? Are you okay? Like what's happening right now? I'm like, I, I didn't have any idea, but my body was reacting so quickly to that situation that I was, I was going through mental checks and doing things like trying to find egress before I was even aware of like, wow. I'm at a, Caraba's parking lot, you know, right. and so it's amazing how quickly your body can respond in that way. And under, I won't say normal circumstances, but the intent of that is good. God created us that way so that if we need to escape, our body's ready to go. Yeah. And at that point, the body, the mind informs the body, and the body says, "I'm ready." Yeah. The issue with post-traumatic stress and what you just described is exactly my point about there, it's not just a tube connecting your mind and your body. They're mixed. Right. And when necessary, it's important. But those neural pathways that were formed based on your training to be ready, what to avoid, what to look for, although you may not have been in a, in a combat theater, yeah. and I'm not a military person, but yet those neural pathways that trained you to be hypervigilant, mm -hmm. to always be looking and surveying your perimeters and being ready to go into action, those things were strengthened to such a degree with repetition, with training, with you know boundaries and yeah. all that, that your brain was primed and your body was ready. Yeah. You put that in another situation and all of a sudden you're in a similar situation and those pathways are primed. Yeah. yeah. You are overly primed in a situation that does requ doesn't require priming. Yeah. Yeah, my body's like saying, hey, I'm ready. And then when I finally realize what's going on, I'm like, what is... But that's a prime example. Yeah. That That's why you can't separate the body. I can't tell you, was it your mind yeah. that informed your body or was it the visual spatial realization of your positioning mm -hmm. your body said yes you're pinned in yeah was it the egg or the chicken yeah was it your mind or was it your body right and in that split second where you had a triggering episode who knows that's why you can't separate them mm. 
the body informs the mind and the mind informs the body and who knows when it starts because that priming those neural pathways those neural pathways are not kept in your brain they're connected down your spinal cord all the way to wow. your muscles to your gut muscles wow. to your heart muscles to whether or not you should go to the bathroom or not yeah there's a quick shot of information that goes to your body that says respond yeah and the how to respond is in your memory banks it's in your vision banks because you know visually how you need to do it it's in the voice of your commander it's in the it's in the physical memory of you doing that tactic over and over and over and over again yeah your body has memory and it's represented in certain areas of your brain mm -hmm. so the brain says okay pull out that file profile one body says i'm going into gear wow you know how you set your on your cars now you can set the position you want the how close you want the seat to go right your perfect position in the car and you push a button and everything fits to you that's mm -hmm. sort of what happened wow well okay how because i've been out of the military now for 10 years i've been my deployment to afghanistan was 2011 so it's been 12 years since i was in a combat theater whatever my role was was you know whether or not there was heavy combat or not um but it's been 12 years, let's say, since I was in a, a heightened state of awareness for these kinds of things. But it, there are certain situations where I feel like those neural pathways are as, as strong as they were 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not that it's not like I've been keeping them active. I don't do gun drills. I don't do any kind of training like that anymore. But there are times you can ask my wife. This is another just kind of a weird, crazy example. But there have been times in our home where. So, like a, something will there's a noise right i have woken up i have come to consciousness or a state of awareness as i'm leaned against a doorpost with my hands up like i'm holding a rifle but there's nothing in my hands and so it's even like these i guess they're still so strong that after 12 years just a bump in the night will cause my body to react a certain way and i haven't done any kind of training like that in a decade so how is it that these neural pathways, because where we're going with this conversation is we all have some things in our life, habits of thinking or, or just behavior that we need to undo. But if these neural pathways can stay so strong, as an example for, for someone that doesn't use them or, or train that way, how do you even begin undoing something so ingrained in your body and mind? Right. So there are a couple of factors that dictate the strength of those neural pathways and your response to them and why they keep replaying in your life, why they keep replaying in our lives so many years later. Um, number one, it's what happened. It's the experience. It's, this, it's the um, degree of the experience, the degree of the impact on who you are as a person. It's the, um, the risk that it brought or the damage or the joy it's the ex it's the degree of whatever that experience was if it was the the ultimate in joy or the the worst of pain mm -hmm. even if you didn't experience the pain sometimes seeing it in other people even witnessing someone else go through an experience can imprint you almost to the same degree as if you go through it as well so if we take your example you may not have come through things directly, but you heard, mm -hmm. you were informed about risks, you did see things, 
you heard things, you may have experienced things, and they were a strong enough in stimulus to imprint upon you. The other factor is you. We all have our own inherent personality, our own character traits, things that some people have a little bit more anxiety, a little bit more extrovertedness, introvertedness. We all, that's normal. Mm -hmm. How does that imprint on you as a person? So it's the strength of the stimulus, the risk or the opportunity it provides, and it can also be just observed in someone else. Okay. Okay, even observing something blow up, even hearing about IEAs, I, uh, IEDs, improvised IEDs. explosive device. What does that inform your mind? Yeah. Well, are you asking me? Or? Yeah, I mean, it, it, rhetorically, but I can't imagine. Well, the, it, yes, anything can be a bomb. How about that? Right. So what does that do to you? <laughs> yeah. You're, more, you're vigilant as you should be, but you're intrinsically hypervigilant because you don't want it to happen to you or anyone in your group. Yeah. It doesn't have to happen. Just hearing about it is enough. Right. I can hear, and forgive the, the, I can hear about someone being raped in a parking lot mm. at 4 p.m. outside of Walmart. It doesn't happen to me, but if it happened in a Walmart in my area, mm. how is that going to affect my brain and my body right. when I go to Walmart? It didn't happen to me, but the risk of that impresses upon my mind and my fear centers and mm. my sense of vulnerability as a woman enough that it modifies my body. So if I go to a parking lot, I'm hypervigilant, mm. my heart rate's a little higher, and or I avoid. Wow. So that's why the strength of those stimuluses translate into strength of a neural pathway, that unless something changes or change, forces that neural pathway to decouple, okay. then it's always gonna be there. Hmm. There has to be a decoupling between your neural pathway. And when we say neural pathways, we're saying the same thing as the neural pathways behind your memory, the neural pathways behind your visual memory, the neural pathways behind your physical memory. Okay. The neural pathways behind your emotional memory. That's what I wanted to ask is neural pathways. We're not just talking about things that maybe are related to motor function. I mean, can... Are there neural pathways formed, let's say, just on um, thought, like type, like uh, let's say negative thoughts about ourselves? Can I form a, a neural pathway based on everyday waking up and saying, I'm an idiot, I'm so stupid, I'm worthless? I mean, I'm, when I'm doing that repetitively, am I creating a neural pathway? Yes. Okay. So it doesn't just require a, maybe a physical action or for me to even speak the those words like maybe i never even speak them but because i'm having the thoughts continuously right. they're they're right. forming a new pathway absolutely and and again the internal and the external if a thought continues it can form a way of thinking mm. where you don't even have to think try to think negatively it's the way you think we were talking about careers. We were mm -hmm. talking about um, how I am not Erica, the I am a physician. It's in my being to be a physician. I think like a physician even when I'm not working. I look at people, I watch them walk, and I'm like, eh, that's what that is, that's what that is, that's what that is. I, I, don't, I can't even help it Yeah. because I've been doing it so long. The same thing, because in those neural pathways are just cemented. Mm. So if someone is told something, if they're modeled a way of thinking, 
or if they themselves just develop that way of thinking, they will become that way of thinking. They will do it automatically all the time. It's not a choice, it's who they become. Wow. It's an approach and a perspective of life. We've all dealt with our friends and family, our community. We may be one of those. You, whoever's listening, where there are people who see the glass half full and mm. people who see the glass half empty, whether that's something that they're born with or life has taught them that, or it's been modeled for them or spoken to them. People view life differently because of a way of thinking that's just now set. Wow. So tell me there's hope that you can undo those things. Yes, there's hope. <laughs> there is hope. Yeah. There is hope. Yeah. Well, before we get into the hope, I, I want to discuss this a little bit more. Be, uh, I love that you pointed out there's not a linear connection between the spirit, soul, and body. I Because of the way I think... I, I have a tendency to try to structure things out like that, right? I do want a linear path for if this is happening in my life, I want to be able to draw a line and say, well, it's because of this right here. It's because of this uh, behavior that I have or this habit, but it's not always that neat, right? I mean, I, I think of, and it would be easy for me to use other people as an example, but I'll just use myself as an example. Um, you know, not being aware of how interconnected my physical being was with my spiritual being, I think is detrimental. There's a reason why, for example, a pornography addiction can lead to broken relationships, right? There's a reason why pornography addiction can lead to physical changes even when you're intimate with somebody. There, there's there's these things connected to what I'm watching, what it's doing to my brain, and then to how my body responds at a later date. And so, you know, I, there, there's always been these um, philosophies or even these theologies of our existence that try to say um, that we are spiritual beings trapped in a, in a fleshly prison and one day we'll be free. You know, the, the idea that we're, we're really just these ethereal beings and right now we're trapped. I think we feel that way because of sin, but really it's a, that's kind of a Gnostic uh, philosophy that has invaded Christianity a lot, even in, you know, it was happening in the Apostle Paul's day, this invasion of Gnosticism into Christianity that would try to tell people that you're really just a spiritual being, that it really downplays the importance of your physical health. I've tried to, you know, in the times where I've led men's groups or meetings recently at our church where I'm, I'm, speaking to men or trying to disciple them in some way. I'm trying to create an awareness of the men at our church that there is a connection between your physical life and your spiritual life. There's a reason why the Apostle Paul says, take everything that you do. You're, you're waking up and going to work and you're going to sleep at night life, like everything you do in between. Take everything you do and offer it as a sacrifice before the Lord because it all matters. I mean, what is he saying when he says something like that, he's saying everything that you do matters. So if you think that your spiritual life equates to your prayer time, your devotion time, the, the moments where you go out and, and are part of a, a, an effort to serve people in need and you kind of compartmentalize, my spiritual life is are, it's these things that I do, but you don't think that um, the way you even, the way you eat, is that connected to your spiritual health? How much you exercise is that? connected to your spiritual health? Uh, how much sleep are you allowing yourself to get? Is that connected to your spiritual health? I think a lot of people would say, well, no, that's, 
that's just my physical life. You know, I have a spiritual, I have, I have a connection with God that's, you know, it's okay if, I, if I'm obese or I'm getting four hours of sleep at night because I like to stay up and play video games or watch Netflix or it's okay if I have this substance addiction or a pornography addiction. These are separate from the spiritual being that I am. But that connection, if we're not aware of the connection, the interconnectedness, there's a lot of things that we might let in that are causing a lot of corruption or pain or could lead to emotional issues. Uh, you know, I, I've started telling people that if you feel like you're stagnant spiritually, maybe you feel like you're in a rut spiritually, you haven't had any growth lately, or you feel disconnected from God, change something up physically change your diet maybe change start exercising or going for a walk or getting a little more sleep and just observe how much that will change about your spiritual health when you're factoring in all these other things mm. yeah that's good that's good i was thinking as you were talking yes absolutely um you can't compartmentalize because they all speak and live in the same house it's all in the same house. Yeah. You can't live with someone who lives totally different than you in your home. It will affect the whole home. Right. We don't smoke, but if someone lived in our house who smoked and they said, I'm just going to smoke in my room. Yeah. Sorry. We'll smell it on you. It's going to come through. Yeah. So it, you can't compartmentalize. It all is important. However, I will say not to neglect the body. But we were talking about the divine order. Mm -hmm. You have to prioritize that which should be first in order to subdue and control that which should be second and third. Right. So, yes, you should exercise, but not at the expense of feeding your spirit, mm. which will inform your soul and then will even strengthen what you're doing with your body. There has to be an order. And the reason I say that is there are people out there who suffer from physical disabilities and diseases that they can't fix. Right. Who are bedbound and will be bedbound. And I can't serve and I can't do that. And if they could, they would. Right. But does that mean that there's no hope? Oh, no. there's definite hope. Feed that which is most important. Yeah. Feed that which is first, which is your spirit being. And the spirit of man is sustained only. It grows only by the spirit of God. Yeah. It can grow by the only food that leads to growth for the spirit of a man, yeah. woman, human being comes from the spirit of the Lord. Right. Everything else weakens your spirit. Everything else shrinks your spirit. Everything else incapacitates your spirit. Everything yeah. else. Your intellect weakens your spirit. Wow. Your emotion weakens your spirit. Your body will weaken. You can be a bodybuilder. You can be so lean, clean, healthy. But if the spirit part of you is not fed by the spirit of the living God, that strong body will lead you down a path of despair and hopelessness. All right, I want to land the plane, but I want to get practical for people because, okay. and not that we haven't been practical, I'm just saying I want to start giving people some very practical ways that maybe they can start undoing 
maybe they've just recognized how interconnected their mind, their physical brain is to their spiritual health, their emotional health. And maybe they're realizing, you know what, I've got these negative thought patterns. I've got this negative self-talk that I've had all my life. I don't know where it came from. Maybe it's because of the way my parents spoke to me as a kid or because I was bullied or because I failed so many times. Whatever that narrative is, um, first of all, for them to recognize that narrative, it doesn't have to be the narrative. That there are literally physical changes in their brain that's maybe kept them stuck in this cycle of thinking this way about themselves no matter what is going on in their life and how they can start undoing these things but it, th this can expand into so many areas of life that's why this topic is so big when we talk about mastering the mind i mean where do we begin and end right, with something right, like that right, right, right. but i think the main thing i wanted to um, explain to people and just have your voice as the expert in this is how interconnected our physical brains are with even our spiritual life and how if we're stuck in a habit of, of doing something that's unhealthy or, or addicted to something or we're watching something or listening to something or speaking something, thinking something that we know, like we know this is not good for us, how do we start to undo those negative thoughts, those negative behaviors? couple of scriptures that, that make this really important. Romans 12, 2, Paul says, if you want a transformed life, you have to renew your mind, renew the way you think. You want a transformed life, change the way you think. And another place, I can't remember exactly where it might be Galatians. I'm not sure. You might know. But he says, uh, or maybe it's Colossians. He says, you have to take captive every, every thought. thought that yes. Take captive every thought and, mm. and you make it obedient to mm. Jesus Christ. Mm. So there's going to be thoughts that come into your mind that, you know, they could be lustful thoughts, temptations. They could be negative thoughts about yourself, um, uh, negative thoughts about others, any kind of negativity, cynicism, whatever it is. Like you have to recognize when these thoughts even enter your mind that it's going to lead you down an unhealthy behavior path or unhealthy thinking path. Like you take it captive. Right which you and I are talking about, so that can be hard because yes. these neural pathways are so strong, yes. setting off a chain of chemical reactions yes. even. So how can, how can people start taking thoughts captive okay. and bringing them into submission? That's, yeah, that's good. And, and, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and then expecting a different outcome. Yeah. So you have to do something different. And we talked about finding your higher power, finding what your spiritual authority is. Yeah. Whether that's the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ or whether it's some other entity that you've identified. Test it and go for it. Because you're choosing that higher authority as a truth. You wouldn't follow anything that's false. Right. You're informing your spirit, thus your mind or soul, thus your body with the truth of this higher authority. And the divine order is aligning yourself with the truth of that higher authority. Mm -hmm. So the first decision is to decide what that truth is that mm -hmm. you're going to align yourself with. And the process of capturing those thoughts and decoupling those neural pathways is once you identify the truth, everything has to align with it. Yeah. So your way of thinking for me, 
I am a daughter of the Most High God. I'm already approved. Mm. I'm already safe. I'm already accepted. I can only increase and not decrease because yeah. my God is a God of increase. Yeah. So whenever I suffer from I need to please, I need to be approved, I need you to like me to promote me, yeah. I need you to like me to get a, to get a raise, um, I walk in a room and I hope people don't talk about me. Mm. In order to stop that thought, or they're not for me, mm. No. Yeah. I reject that thought. I will not partner with that thought because that thought is a lie. Mm. It doesn't align with the truth mm. of who I am. So what happens on a physical level when you do that? What happens in your brain? There's a neural pathway formed already to have ways of thought. And you say, no, that's a lie. So let me just say those things will come up and those are opportunities not to fall into it but to take a different approach. Whenever you're confronted mm -hmm. with a thought, yeah. whenever you're confronted with a situation where you go into a triggering moment, it's okay. That's your opportunity to say no. Yeah. It's okay that it happened, don't let it continue. That's what capturing means. The person has got loose. Mm -hmm. Go capture it. Yeah, that's what I, whenever I <laughs> preach on that verse of take captive every thought, when I preach on that, I give the example, you know, during my time in the military, the train, a lot of the training I had, I was military police. So a lot of the training I had was on how to detain someone, how to apprehend someone. If someone was resisting, how do I manipulate their body to put them in handcuffs, right? If they are actively resisting me and your thoughts, it's not like a thought pops into my head that does not align with my values, right? A thought comes into my head that is not aligned with with God's will. That thought, whenever I recognize it, it's not just, oh, hey, you caught me. Okay, I, I realize I'm, I'm not supposed to be here. I'll see myself <laughs> out, right? The, the, the thought, taking it captive is like you're encountering a drunk Marine at 2 a.m. who's out past curfew and he's not being reasonable with you and he starts throwing punches. Now you're gonna have to detain him. You know, you're gonna have to take him captive so it's it's a it's a fight it's a fight it's not an easy thing to take a thought captive it's a it, that thing is your mortal enemy it's trying to resist you as much as it can and and it's not an easy thing so i, I think it is be patient and start small yeah you're not going to do it all I, I just talked about my journey and this is a life's journey yeah. and there's more for me to attain i haven't quite reached it yet even today, earlier this morning, I had to deal with my thoughts, mm. Bo. And my body was tense and I was feeling anxious and I was apprehending where I was going because something was going to happen I didn't like and all of my fears came back. And I had to actively, after 30 minutes of allowing that to go, I've learned to recognize when I don't have peace, mm -hmm. I'm on the side of the lie. Mm. So practically, whatever your truths are, you need to write them down, put them in a book, put them on your wall, put them on your notepad, note app, and keep looking at them. I know people think that's silly, but people do affirmations, but you need to take whatever your truth is and you need to feed the spirit person that informs your mind and you need to keep reminding yourself. And even if you don't believe it, you have to use that as your tool to say no. Yeah. 
because if you don't introduce something else into your mind to disrupt those neural pathways, the neural pathways won't change. Mm. You actually have to bring, remember we talked, it has to come from the outside. You have to inform yourself. So it's not just, oh, I can't do that. You won't do it unless you actually say yes to something new and bring it into your life. Okay. So that could be affirmations. For me, it's verses. It's what I said about who I am as a father. I say yeah. that to myself now. Right. Especially when I'm dealing with self-doubt. Right. You have to choose what your truth is and bring it in and actively soak in it every day. And even if you don't feel it, you keep saying it and it it helps you to identify faster yeah. those thought patterns, those impulses, and those physical things that are so now automatic. And I think changing your thinking over time will affect your impulses and your body. Right. It follows in order. You change the way you think and the impulses get weaker. It's more than just changing the way you think you have to do, you know, for me it's fasting, it's, it's cutting off. So let me say this very, you have to feed from your higher power and your truth and you have to starve the other information coming in. Right, that's good. And I want to clarify when you when you're saying to identify your truth, you're talking about identify what is the higher authority that you're aligning your exactly. life to. Exactly. Because, and I know you not agree. your internal truth, right? That truth. I know, and I know you'll agree with me. We're we're not talking in a sense that truth is relative. That's no. not what we. Our truth is the truth, and that is the truth of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. But when we're talking about finding your truth, it's what is the value system that you're living by. And like scripture says, test it, test these things, keep whatever's good, get rid of whatever's not. And I believe that if, I believe that could be the start of someone even um, coming into the full truth is just being intentional about, I'm going to align my life with a higher authority and I'm going to test it and whatever's not true and what's not good about it, I'm going to get rid of it. And it's going to keep me on this journey of discovering the truth. And that's, I, that's what I meant. Right. There's an absolute truth. Because if there's relative truth, there's no, that's not truth. Right. There's an absolute truth. And for me, it's Jesus Christ. He's the right. truth. Right. He's the absolute truth. So I align my life with whatever he says. I don't question it. I don't justify something else. I just say, yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. But whatever your spiritual authority is, you believe in that because you think it's truth. Right. Test the truth, take that absolute truth, bring it into your mind, however way you do it, affirmations, words, whatever, mm -hmm. and soak in it every day. And the more you replace it, you replace the other stuff with that, the other thoughts, you start scrambling the narrative. Yeah. You start scrambling your narrative, you'll be better able to identify when those other thoughts are rising up. Yeah. You have to bring in something else. I don't know if I'm making myself No, it does make clear. sense you're talking about your dis like the the thought patterns we might be trapped in or the way of the way of thinking that leads us to the way that we're currently living. Yeah, yeah. You have to disrupt that. In order to change it, you have to disrupt it with something new. Right. Until the the new becomes the norm. Thank you so much for checking out this week's episode of the Battle Tested Podcast. I encourage you if you want the extended 
edition of that episode, the uncut version. You can check that out by joining our Patreon. The link for that is in the description below. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at battletested.pod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, and we'll see you next week here on the Battle Tested Podcast.